so in my worst of worst estimates i was estimating that delhi would go to double the case load that it had in the first wave that's dr shrichan bajaj he is the co-founder of ojala signus hospitals a group of private hospitals that provide affordable healthcare in tier 2 and tier 3 cities he has also been working quite regularly with covid patients with a covid ward set up in the district of burari in new delhi so currently he's talking about the number of cases that they expected from the second wave of the covid-19 pandemic in new delhi the capital of india so delhi had peaked at around 8000 cases we were thinking that 15000 cases would be the peak and even for that we were very scared that if 15000 come in what will we do and unfortunately it hit a peak of 30000 so four times of what uh the first wave had been and it was quite quite uh, bad and scary this is a news to us while we're still living through the second wave of the pandemic the pressure on healthcare workers has been excruciating and i even found it quite surprising how positive dr bajaj was despite the kinds of months he's seen but there's a cruel irony at play here while covid has left hospitals overcrowded it's also left them with no earnings private hospitals across the country are at a point of reckoning with earnings depleting and costs skyrocketing they must find a new business model to sustain themselves and at a time when going under is just not an option Hello and welcome to Unofficial Sources, a business podcast by The Ken. I'm Anushka Chikara and I'm Alina Banerjee and we are your hosts. This episode, we're taking a look at the economics of private hospitals in India, both large hospitals in metro cities and small ones in tier 2 and tier 3 cities. And just how COVID-19 pandemic has turned the system upside down. with a massive blow to earnings and a more urgent need to run smoothly and sustainably than ever before how these hospitals are trying to covid proof themselves for the next few years stay tuned this episode is based on a story originally reported by ruhi kandhari a healthcare writer here at the ken it's titled Covid forces Manipal Narayana Health to re-examine their hospital math. Um this story definitely stood out to us and so we decided to call her in and tell us what it's all about. Hey Ruhi, thanks for joining us here. This is your first time um at the podcast. Hi Anushka, thanks for having me. So Ruhi is a healthcare writer here at the Ken. back when i was an intern at the ken in my first year of college i'd actually done some on ground reporting for ruhi at a hospital now 2 years later she has written 100 stories on the healthcare sector for the ken so ruhi when we discuss something like the economics of hospitals and business models especially in a pandemic it makes me feel kind of off 
Um, and I'll tell you why, because, you know, to me, I'm a typical leftist and I think mm-hmm. healthcare is a basic human right. And I wonder why should hospitals and hospital chains function as businesses that look for profits and earnings? Especially now when we're in the middle of a pandemic where tens of thousands of people are dying, like is their earnings really the most important thing we need to focus on? Definitely, Anushka, that's a very good question. So uh, healthcare is a human right. A life without disease and pain is something that everyone must have. But thing is, rights are provided to citizens by the government, not by private players. It's not a private hospital's job to ensure that you have your rights. Unfortunately, in India, government has invested very little in healthcare, which means only 20 to 30% of hospital beds are in public hospitals, whereas 70 to 80% are in private hospitals, So, which mm-hmm. means we've become into the kind of country where people pay a lot more for healthcare than the government does. Right. So it's kind of like, okay, you know, In an ideal situation, yeah, we should have it. It's not the ideal situation. And the basic right of free healthcare isn't being fulfilled. So why should we bash the people who are just trying to fix the gap, right? Which is private hospitals. Sure. It's become a little bit like a witch hunt that the government did not do enough for healthcare for decades. And then like the blame is now resting on the private healthcare. Okay. And how has the system or has the system been shaken up by COVID? So COVID literally changed the rules in which a large hospital and a large city existed. Medical tourists stopped coming in, uh, high-end procedures dropped to minimal. So, uh, and with what happened with COVID in the first wave was that there weren't even enough COVID patients. But in the second wave, COVID left hospitals massively crowded but not enough scope to earn profits okay so these hospitals were crowded right but how does that mean they weren't making profits isn't i mean to me the obvious correlation is if there are more patients coming in there are more people to service thereby more money coming in for the hospital so there's an indicator that defines uh how profitable a hospital is and that's called RPOB. It's average revenue per occupied bed in a hospital. Hospitals normally try to increase RPOB as much as they can. Uh, So for a non-COVID patient, say for a bypass surgery, a person would spend over rupees 2 lakhs on a surgery and probably stay a few days. So the RPOB would be about rupees 50,000 for that person. But for COVID, some states had capped treatment prices per day at rupees 20,000. So hospitals were crowded, but for a large hospital, uh, it resulted in losses. But for a small hospital, it was barely able to cut it. The biggest impact on hospitals, both large and small, is that COVID changed their relationship with the patient. Hospital chains like Narayana, which are tertiary care hospitals, specialize in cardio surgeries and are focused on optimizing for those specialized services. 
But the pressure to treat COVID patients and the lacking primary care infrastructure forced even large hospitals like Narayana to run services that they frankly weren't built for. Here's Viren Shetty, the COO of Narayana. We are a tertiary care super specialty hospital. And so we treat, we don't treat coughs and colds or headaches. Uh, people come to our hospital for heart surgery, cancer surgery, heart transplant, liver transplant. And uh, that tends to drop from a pretty wide catchment. So our hospital in Bangalore, let's say, we get patients from Tamil Nadu. We get patients from Northern Kerala, from the Andhra border. We get huge number of patients from East India, from Bangladesh, uh, West Bengal, uh, patients from Central India as well, as well as patients from abroad, those that come in for medical tourism. Without external patients coming in and with domestic patients pushing surgeries further into the future because of the pandemic, large hospitals like them struggled to make money. In the first wave, at least, there was no question of mixing COVID with non-COVID patients. So Narayana simply focused on primary care of COVID patients. As the COVID cases started picking up, then, of course, we started seeing a lot more cases. We went to a peak occupancy of 500. Uh, we, the government had capped a lot of the pricing that uh, you were allowed to you know, charge for treatment of COVID. And we were one of the few hospitals that actually adhered to the pricing, uh, that guidelines that had come out. And so we went through it and a lot of our doctors got sick. We invested a lot in PPE for everyone. We bought a lot of medicines. We did a lot of preparation for this and we lost a lot of money for two entire quarters treating COVID and nothing else. So the first two quarters of last year were pretty bad. And the next two quarters, as the COVID cases came down, the people who had been postponing their surgeries and their uh, treatment started coming up. And so again, things went back to almost normal by March 31st of uh, 2021. Virin's challenge isn't just the cap on prices or the increased cost of fitting every doctor and nurse with a PPE kit. Super specialty hospitals make their money from expensive surgeries performed by highly trained, expensive surgeons. Yes, a huge number of patients do come in um, and they do pay for their services, but there is a huge amount of cost in servicing the, the same. So a COVID patient stays longer, uh, cannot pay as much because the things that they end up using aren't terribly expensive. There aren't that many therapies you can treat them with, but our costs are the same. So we have this instance right now where a hospital with highly, highly trained oncologists, neurologists, cardiologists, uh, surgeons who are not doing their normal work. And they are paid to do very expensive procedures, very complicated procedures, but instead they are doing work that they haven't done since they were medical students, which is, you know, go behind patients and just take basic vitals and prescribe medicines here and there. And so it's essentially like taking a Ferrari to the grocery store and back. It's not the most efficient way uh, to use that. And so, yes, the hospital can be full, but it still will not make money because this is not what the hospital is meant to do. And the blue to earnings has been equally, if not more devastating to hospitals in smaller cities. More on that after this short break. Hi, this is Aditya. I'm the product analyst here at the Ken. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Unofficial Sources. I have worked here for a bit more than a month and the thing that strikes me the most is the attitude towards growth. 
we've been experimenting, launching new products, adding more features to give our subscribers an immersive and engaging experience. In case you are hearing about us through this podcast and want to get a taste of some of our other work, we've got something for you. We set up a special podcast offer just for our listeners. To find out more, go to the-ken.com/podcastoffer. You can find the link in the show notes. To understand the ins and outs of small hospitals, we spoke to Dr. Shachin Bajaj, the voice that you heard right at the top of this episode. So, in the first wave of COVID, with India going into a hard lockdown, the main problem for small hospitals like Ojala Cygnus was that there weren't enough people coming into the hospitals, and that caused two problems. the challenges were of course revenue wise uh, how to pay the salaries because we are a social enterprise so we don't uh, have a lot of margins any ways to speak of we've uh, in the last 10 years of our existence actually we've never been profitable uh, in a you know kind of a profit after tax perspective so uh, so it was a challenge on how with the revenues going down by more than 50% on how to meet our fixed costs our salaries our rentals that was the first second challenge of course was how to keep in touch with the community because the community needed medical care that is what we know uh, but they were unable to come to the hospitals because their villages their approach roads everything was shut down so we started our uh, telemedicine facilities very quickly okay and now a year later with the second wave what was that like for your hospitals absolutely the opposite i think the second wave hit us like a tsunami we although i think we were we knew that the second wave would hit so uh december onwards we had been telling all the governments and the authorities that we speak to very regularly that the second wave would come in but i think unfortunately we walked into the abyss with our eyes wide open and it came in very suddenly and uh, within 5 6 days we were left grappling and you know gasping for air because we had no beds oxygen had run out everywhere we had no equipment uh, to manage those huge number of cases so almost a month went by i think without us any of us even having time to breathe uh, it was uh, in delhi it was like quite a nightmare Now we know the kind of pressure the second wave has put on healthcare workers across the country but how exactly did it affect the earnings of these hospitals remember the term we'd mentioned earlier arpob well this is how exactly it plays out for smaller hospitals yes so see uh, the first thing that uh, was uh, important in understanding is that the government uh, in the last wave stepped in and capped the prices for covid treatment so it was not like an air ticket where if you have a pressure of seats you can raise your fares to whatever extent you have right so the rates were capped at 15000 rupees a day and that includes everything that is not just your bed that is your doctor fee or investigations your medicines everything is included in that so that does not actually leave out much margins for you and it set up this sort of catch 22 situation for the hospitals 
the money pouring in is reduced but the costs keep going up and for a newer hospital chain like ojala sickness it's a bigger and more complex problem to deal with than established chains in metro cities second due to the fact that there was this big limitation on oxygen it was not like you could keep patients everywhere so you could keep patients only till the time that your oxygen levels were available and sometimes you would need to empty out your entire hospital within a 4 to 6 hour notice because your oxygen had run out so we had to do that many times so when you are shifting out patients immediately of course you cannot wait for them to clear their bills or you know you cannot wait for money to come in so you would sometimes have to clear out entire hospitals without even receiving 1 rupee of fee for whatever service you had done now beyond the nuances of the first and second wave of covid something has fundamentally shifted for smaller hospitals the inflow of patients as we mentioned patients who would otherwise travel to flagship hospitals in larger cities are now seeking care in their local hospitals that seems like a good problem to have right but to reap the benefits these hospitals need to match the demand with the advanced tech and infrastructure as well as specialists ready to meet the needs of these patients In this regard, Cygnus hospitals are somewhat ahead of the curve. We do not gold plate any assets. So we realize that you know as doctors ourselves that what things are important for patient outcomes and what things are not so important. Right? So our laparoscopes will always be German, our microscopes will always be German. our cath labs will be either german or us so these are like very important equipments for us we will have exactly the same equipment as you will find in a big city five star hospital we will not have even 1% lower equipment than that as dr shuchin just said smaller hospitals don't cold plate their assets it's in their dna to keep cutting costs wherever possible but That's not necessarily the case with larger hospitals in metro cities. The hour of the need now is a fundamental shift. So, if this is a new normal, if it turns out that there will always be COVID, a highly infectious disease, and it's not going to reduce in its virulence or its uh, you know scariness for the next couple of years, then we have to build a business model that accounts for that. Okay, here are a few things that uh, some of these hospitals are trying now. So some of the hospitals have decided to invest in primary care, uh, which was something they never did in the past because hospitals would focus on tertiary care, which makes them money, which is high-end surgeries. They have decided that online and teleconsultations are going to be part of something that large hospitals do in the future. also uh, they've uh, like some hospitals like apollo have uh, decided to take drugs delivery more seriously that puts them in competition with health tech startups uh, they're also investing in diagnostics so earlier a hospital would think that i focus only on large surgeries that make me money and outsource everything else now they're trying everything else like primary secondary care like diagnostics like e pharmacies teleconsultations so that's very new and it was unimaginable in the past in a few years 
hospital chains in India are going to look really different, but we don't know exactly what they're going to look like. Kind of like COVID itself, with its constantly changing and evolving mutations. And that's a wrap for this episode of Unofficial Sources. I know I say this a lot, but we very sincerely mean it. We love to hear feedback from you and would like to know what you felt about this episode, good or bad. We're at the Ken Web on Twitter, or you can even email us on podcast at the-ken.com. You can also check out our podcast offer that we've put up especially for listeners like you. All the links, everything, all details will be left in the show notes. And well, we'll see you next time, next fortnight on Unofficial Sources by The Kent.